This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Larkma is a loving group of interstellar beings who contacted Pia Orlean and Cullen Smith many years ago. They define themselves as one of six and six of one, meaning that they have both individual aspects and a unified consciousness. Using the Pleiades as a base for helping humanity, they communicate with Cullen and Pia heart to heart through the energy of love. Messages from Larkma help us sow the seeds of conscious choice for change. With integrity, grace, love, and generosity of heart, Larkma provides the keys to our own freedom and gives guidance for aligning with universal truth. It is time for humans to step into planetary and galactic responsibility, and it all begins within each one of us in every choice we make. Together, in powerful amplification of what we create individually, we weave threads of conscious intention and loving choice to create a beautiful tapestry of manifested reality that will carry us into the new earth. Valeria Tellez interviews Pia Orlean and Cullen Smith, the authors of Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology, Charting the Spirals of Consciousness. Pia Orlean, PhD, is a former practicing psychologist, a respected intuitive, astrologer, and the author of the Nautilus Gold award-winning book, Sacred Retreat, Using Natural Cycles to Recharge Your Life. She is co-author with Cullen Baird-Smith of the Wisdom from the Stars series. Trained in archaeology and anthropology, Cullen Baird-Smith is an empathic intuitive who has been accessing parallel realms of love and light since childhood. He is co-author with Pia Orlean of the COVR award-winning book, Pleiadian, Earth Energy Astrology, Charting the Spirals of Consciousness, Conversations with Larkma, a Pleiadian view of the new reality and remembering who we are, Larkma's guidance on healing the human condition. Meet Pia and Cullen at larkma.com. Here is the interview with Pia Orlean and Cullen Smith. Hello, Pia, Orlin, and Colin Smith. We are meeting again. Thank you so much for your presence. And my first question still remains the same. In your own words, who is Pia, Orlin, and Colin Smith? Well, this is Colin, and I am someone who believes that love and light are the two most important things in the universe. and. I have spent my entire life since childhood working through love and light, 
I've been working with many different energies and many different beings to connect with higher understandings, higher evolving information that has helped me. And I have in turn helped others by discussing and helping people understand that there's so much more to who we are and what the true reality is than we have often been taught. So my mission, my job has been to help expand myself and through that expand others by sharing what I know. And I, Pia, like Cullen, have been working with many other beings from other realms since childhood. And because of that deep connection and that profound experience, I also have come to realize that what we perceive as reality here in the third dimension is very limited compared to what we really are. And I am here also in a mission to expand my own consciousness as much as I can and assist others in expanding theirs so that together we can reach a higher evolutionary state. And I try to exercise this expansion through the principle of kindness, applying kindness to everybody because we do not ever know how someone else may be suffering. So my follow-up question is something that I read in your book. It said, we are expressions of energy that can and do change in every moment. So when I ask this question to most people, all my my guests really, who are you? And then for the second time, when I interview them, third time, in your case, I always expect them to change something, not to say the same things. This is exactly the reason, because it's something that somehow I understand without going deeper. It's so obvious because nature, that's what I follow as a reference. What are the consequences of holding on to beliefs and ideas that we are unchangeable, solid, fixed? I think one of the biggest results of holding on to a belief system that does not incorporate the larger reality is encouraging a sense of fear because we're in a state of change as human beings who are evolving into a higher state of consciousness. And if we think that we're only one particular way in one particular fixed body, as things begin to shift and change, it can be rather frightening for people. So I think one of the results is that If you hold on to beliefs and say, this is the way it is, this is a fact, it has to be true, instead of allowing the truth to reveal itself through the mystery moment by moment, you can become quite afraid of what really is the true reality. And I wonder what changed, Pia? Is there something in us that you have perceived that never changed, that's always there? Well, our Pleiadian friends, Lartma, teach us that the foundation that we are really based on is not earth, water, air, and fire. Our true foundation is love, trust, joy, and compassion. And I think that true foundation stays stable. That is our foundation. And from that foundation, we evolve and we go through a lot of changes to go from where we are now to where we will wind up once we have completely evolved. How do we know? What are the signs that we are there? 
on this plane, in this reality, let's say we change the way we eat, people that we relate to, or the environment we live in, what are the signs? Well, I think I think there are lots of signs and lots of symbolism in how we change and how we grow. If we use two terms or two examples of how we can make better choices in what we do, what we think, what we say, the actions we take. These two terms are very simple. The first one is a word that comes from the ancient Mayans, and that word is in Lakesh. And in Lakesh means, I am another yourself. It's a very simple, very simple idea that if I do something to someone else, that is not of the highest choice for the good of all, it's not good for myself or all others. It's not the best choice nor the highest choice to make. In combination with that idea and that term, an ancient Sanskrit term or word, ahimsa, means do no harm to any being. And if we live our lives through those two fundamental ideas that we are all the same in Lakesh and we are here to do absolutely no harm to any other being, we can simply see that making those choices changes us. And by changing ourselves, we change everything around us because the energy of making those choices and those changes becomes so obvious if we're kinder, if we're more thoughtful, if we're more involved in unity consciousness, everything works out for everyone instead of certain things helping others and other things helping others. We actually create the idea of unity consciousness, which is simply living by those two ideas. So for some of us who come to the understanding that we are not evolved, we're not there yet because we are causing harm, let's say eating animals, that's one of it. So how can we still deal with ourselves at that stage? Would you say acceptance? Uh, how can we be kind with ourselves throughout the process of evolution? Well, I think, I think the word you just chose, kindness, is a fundamental understanding that no matter how evolved we are or no matter how evolved we become, we all have work to do. If we're evolving, which we all are, if we're made of energy, which we all are, we're always moving in a spiral. We're moving upwards, upwards, upwards in our evolution. And being kind to ourselves as we also choose to be kind to all others, and having compassion for ourselves are two of the most fundamental guidelines of realizing that we're always learning, we're always expanding, we're always growing. And if we think that we're not doing a very good job or we're not moving quickly enough, all we have to do is find that little piece of kindness towards ourselves or that little piece of compassion towards ourselves, realizing that we are moving, we are evolving, and simply 
look at what we're doing and realize that we are making a difference in a positive way. The other piece to that I would add to that is it's really important, as Cullen said, to be kind to ourselves because we are human. We do make mistakes. But the other piece of that is once you realize that maybe that you could have made a different choice that might have been better, or maybe next time you can do it differently, taking responsibility to actually make that kind of change is the other piece. To take responsibility for, well, I understand that I could do better next time. I don't need to beat myself up for this particular occurrence. I need to be kind to myself. But at the same time, I need to take responsibility to be sure that I don't err in my judgment next time in the same way, that I learn from whatever I've just done, and I take responsibility to change and move forward. So talk to me about the intention of writing your book, Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology, Charting the Spider of consciousness. Well, we believe that consciousness is a spiral, and we're spiraling around, as Cullen said, around and up in a movement uh, on our return from this earth journey back to source. And part of the reason for writing this book was to help people start to recognize the truth that we are energy and that everything in our experience is also energy and that we are captivated by an artificial construct called time. We, we as humans have, have been undergoing and believing that time is really what holds everything together. And we've been taught this for centuries, for thousands of years, that, that time is the essential clockwork. And I'm using this term clockwork on purpose because when the Gregorian calendar was invented and designed, and when the first clock was invented and designed, we became slaves to time instead of using our natural abilities to understand the cycles and the patterns in nature because we are part of nature and nature teaches us that things change, things move, and that if we align ourselves with natural cycles and natural patterns, our lives are much, much easier because we live in the flow of nature. So the reason for, for developing this system trying to help humanity understand that actually energy is how we measure everything because we are energy and every other part of the universe is made up of energy. So we're trying to help people understand that by switching from time, which is an artificial human construct, to a natural system of energy makes a completely different sense of how we can live our lives, how we can navigate our lives, and how we can interweave all of the energies that are available to us, whether that's personal, business, whatever it is that we're involved with, it's all about energy rather than time. Just as an example of that, Valeria, nature changes energies at sunset every day. Something shifts at sunset every single day. And yet, in the Gregorian calendar system, we mark days at the stroke of midnight. 
at the stroke of midnight, which is a completely illogical time in nature, all of a sudden we're in the next day. It's not very realistic, and it certainly isn't in harmony with nature. So this system that we wrote the book about and the accompanying calendar that goes with it are all about moving away from anything that is artificial and moving back into harmony with nature because we are nature. Yeah, you mentioned in your book, you say the nature-based calendar that is aligned with cosmic flow. And it's beautiful. <laughs> I have them in front of me, I have all these colors. That's funny how we attract it to colors a lot. Uh, that's what we see in nature, all these array of colors, diversity. You mentioned in your book um, numbers, and you, you do mention 13. So instead of 12, the Pleiadian astrology you have Pleiadian Earth energy astrology. It's based on 13 energies and not 12. So I'm wondering, yeah, the relationship between numbers and, let's say, evolution and signs and, yeah. Well, as humans, we tend to divide everything up into groups to make it manageable when we think about it. And perfectly in alignment with the artificial Gregorian calendar is the system of 12, 12 hours in a day, 12 hours in a night, 12 months in a year, 12 dozen, 12 eggs in a dozen. Everything system, including Western astrology with 12 houses, is based on this system of 12. The Pleiadians have taught us that there's no space in a system of 12 for integrating what you learn. You move through these 12 things and you jump right back into the next cycle immediately. 12 months in a year, oh boy, we start a new year. But there's no space for timing to integrate our experiences. If you look at the fact that our artificial calendars that we have now are not even accurate because every four years we have to adjust and change one day to make it, add a day to it, to make up for all the time, artificial time, that's been not accounted for over the previous years. So it just the system proves itself to be irregular and non-functional, whereas a system that is based on 13 is based more on nature. There are... This particular system has a lot to do with the cycles of Venus because Venus is the planet that is Earth's twin and Venus is most closely in alignment with Earth than any other planet. And Venus is also the planet that presents itself in the sky as both the morning star and the evening star. And that's very consistent with our experience of day or night or duality in any way we want to express duality so the system of venus is really key and important to this there are cycles of venus are 260 days as opposed to our 365 plus or minus earth days and within that you can look at the way venus moves in the sky and you can find cycles that include the number of 13 in that movement you can find the energy of that integration point, which is absolutely essential for understanding the system. There are universal energies that build from initiating, a point of initiation, all the way through to completion. And 12 is the number of understanding everything that has come before. But 
13 is the number of completion and integration before you start another cycle. So one of the key points of this system is to give ourselves time to integrate everything we learn before we jump into another cycle. That phrase again makes so much sense to me because that would be the rest time, the integration, right? Don't keep going around in circles, um, not understanding exactly what we are doing and why we are doing what we do. Talk to me for a moment about how do we learn to recognize these energy patterns, Pia and Oli, like on a daily basis, moment to moment even. Well, what Cullen and I do is we encourage people to get one of our calendars that goes along with this book we're discussing, the Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar, and it integrates for you the energies of the day along with what the Gregorian date is so that you can begin to feel the energy as you become aware of it. Uh, There's a reference in the back of the calendar that has points telling you what the different universal energies stand for. And you can begin to say, oh, well, today is, for instance, the sixth day. That energy brings a lot of flow, so maybe I can be flexible in my day. Whereas a one day is a day of, oh, initiation, I need to start new projects. And a four day is, I need some stability in my life. Maybe it's today is a good day to stay at home and put my house in order. Or I really need to get my files in order at work because four is a day of foundation. So understanding the energies by comparing them to what's on the Gregorian calendar helps you learn to begin to feel what they are and how to work with them. Then you can start scheduling your appointments according to what the energy is going to be. For instance, if you were going to take a trip, You would not want to fly or drive on a four-day because that's a day of foundation, a day it's good to stay put. It'd be much, much better to plan your trip for a six-day, which is a flow day, or a one-day for initiation. So you can begin to plan your life by feeling these energies and seeing what they feel like as you look at them every day. We took a, a decade to develop this system before we introduced it to the public, And we used our personal experiences. We would would look either retroactively backwards to certain days, and we would see that we tried to do things on a certain energy day, and it just didn't work. It It simply was not filled with connection or flow. And then what we would do in designing the calendar was to project forward and decide to do something on a certain day, on a Gregorian numbered day. And so we would wait for weeks or months until that day showed up, and we would find the same thing that happened retroactively. If we tried to force something to happen on a day where the energy wasn't right, it backfired. It just didn't smoothly work out. So we we started to put this together, realizing that each day has, as Pia said, a specific energy to promote a particular kind of activity. And we played with this for years and years to be sure that it made sense to us before we would introduce it to the public. And we find that, that this system that we've developed with our Pleiadian friends is amazingly accurate. It's it's pinpoint accurate backwards or forwards. And it has made our lives incredibly 
easier, filled with more flow, more grace, and more ability to accomplish what we really want to accomplish without all of the the unusual or unhelpful energies that prevent us from actually achieving what we want to achieve. There's a way that you can take the system more, uh, take it deeper personally also, Valeria, not by learning to look at the calendar and feel the energy of the day, but each person is also made up a combination of these particular energies. So when you discover what your energies are, which is, you can do that through the book, or you can do that through a, a astrological chart, which I do for people every day. But when you discover what your own energies are, then you can learn even more how to fine-tune the calendar to make it work for your energies. For instance, if you have an energy that comes from the north, then you wouldn't want to use the south day energy as a day for really accomplishing something because it's very opposite to your very nature. So in understanding what your own energies are, as well as working with the energies on the Gregorian calendar, you can really get a sense of how to make your life much more smooth and flowing. This system is is really designed to help all of us live in a much more natural way. It helps us to understand that every relationship has specific energies. That That is person-to-person, businesses, education, travel. Everything is connected to an energetic system. And the calendar and the book are truly designed to help us navigate how we can fit together in a in a smoother more helpful way and actually th- this is all about unity consciousness because if we can fit everything we want to do in into the best way that's for us personally and for everyone else that makes our whole life process make more sense work more smoothly and help each other truly get along and connect in a much, much deeper, much more helpful way. The more calm and the more smoothly life goes for us, the kinder it will be to ourselves and others. It's just uh, common sense. It's great that you are integrating the Gregorian calendar, the, the concept of time that we have, with this your calendar, which brings a much more a deeper, that's another word that I love using, deeper understanding of who we are. Most people's case, we plan everything ahead of time. So we have this, we schedule, in my case, a lot of interviews every day. I'm wondering if I can do that based on the energies too for the future, although the future doesn't exist really. I don't believe that past the future. But Although the calendar shows what to do and how, who to schedule, in my case, the interviews, who to speak to in a certain day. So the energies are more in alignment. So is that possible to, uh, for people, professionals, people who do corporate work and most of the time they deal with a lot of uh, logical and left brain ideas, materialistic things, how can they integrate this, this kind of work? Because I do know some people who want to do that, but they have no idea how to change the system that they are in, actually. 
Well, some people can actually schedule, as you were saying, interviews with certain people on certain days because that day is more auspicious for an interview. But if you're in a position where you're interviewing everybody every single day, you have you have an interview, I would say look at the energy of the day to see how best bring about your questions. What does the day offer you in terms of what questions you need to ask the person you're interviewing you? How can you use the energy of the direction, the energy of the universal energy, how can you use that more to make the interview more appealing to everybody who will be listening to you? So that's one way that you can do it. The same for someone who's in a corporation. If they have business appointments, they just glance at the calendar and go, okay, today's a four day. So this business meeting that I'm going into, I may be hitting some stubbornness or some resistance or it could be building a new foundation for a future together. So I need to be more pliable and more flexible because I know the energy is going to offer a lot of either resistance or stability. So if I'm more flexible, I can make it work with this day. So understanding what the energy of the day is and that it might require a different form of participation than your standard way of participating the same every day will make people more flexible and more in tune with what's required. My other question is about the calendar. You sent it to me. This is 2021. Did you have one for 2020 and 19, the year before? For how many years have you been publishing these calendars, Pia and Colin? This is our third year. We did a 2019, a 2020, and this year the 2021 calendar is actually an 18-month calendar. And we added a lot more information because people were giving us feedback that they'd like more understanding when they look at the calendar and glance at it. So we have a lot more things added into it. We have uh, full moons and new moons. We have episodes. We have solstices. We have even shadow cycles are listed so that you can figure out when the collective is having shadows show up so that it might be a little challenging when you're out into the world because it's a collective shadow cycle for everybody. So these things are explained in the calendar. And of course, you can go more deeply into them in the book. We also added the phases of Venus and we added the 13-day period showing when one starts and when one ends so that you can understand what that 13-day period means as you're working not only with the energy of the day, but you're working with the energy of the whole 13 days. Kind of like, oh, it's June, so in June we do this, or oh, it's December, and December we do this. This way of looking at it is, oh, this 13-day period is promoting this kind of energy, so we'll do that. So all of that's explained in the calendar and, of course, more in depth of the book. It has been a challenge my entire life to adapt to any kind of system. So any kind. Stepping to the territory of what we began this conversation with about energy. You're stepping into understanding that the resistance to scheduling with time has always been in your awareness. And now you're seeing there's a possibility for doing it differently. And that's exactly what we're trying to bring to the world. You said every thought we think affects every aspect of our reality. And you say you encourage you, oh, you encourage us to let go of concepts of time and expand your imagination. So my question is about imagination and thoughts. Are they different or how are they different? 
I see a distinct difference between imagination and thoughts in general. I would say that imagination certainly can include thoughts, but not all thoughts include imagination. So I would see it that way. But thoughts are based upon our training. They're based on what we have experienced, what we've been taught by our elders in school, in religion, by parents, by the world. These are the thoughts that we use to base our everyday experience, whereas imagination comes more from the heart. Imagination is how can we make this better? What can we do that's different? It's more of an expansive type of thought rather than something that is confined within the way we've been trained. Thought Thoughts keep us in a loop. Thoughts are generally connected to belief systems. Um, we, we think, as Pia said, most of the time, because of how we've been trained from, from all the different experiences from, from early, early childhood forward, we're, we're told that the mind is the most important part of our existence, that, that the mind is always telling us what to do. The mind is always fabricating what should be done. And that's connected directly to concepts that may or may not be true. And if we stay in a mind-based control of our lives, we can't really use our imagination because the imagination can go in so many different directions, so many different ideas, so many different loops of newness. But our thoughts generally keep us confined to this is what we know, this is what we should do, this is where we feel comfortable. And so I think there's a great, great distinction between thought and imagination. You speak in the book about the DNA. Larkma tells us that each of us actually has 12 strands of DNA, 10 of which are currently inactive. But how do we learn to activate these 10 other strands? I think the strands are activated by our interaction with energies that are coming into the planet. Right now, we have a lot of energies that are coming in to change us and help us to evolve. And the way that the other 12, the other 10 strands get activated is by our openness to other possibilities and by the changes we make in our belief systems and in our patterns of behavior. When we step out of the box ourselves, there's more possibility in front of us to open. So we have to we have to step out of the stricture, the structure of everything is this, 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 and this in third dimension and go, what if? What else could be here? And as you start questioning that and opening up to possibilities, then you start resonating with the energies that come in and the other strands of the DNA will begin to awaken quite naturally. When they wake up, you start having experiences, multidimensional experiences and other dimensions of you will show up. Other places where you have, have are living with different experiences. For a moment, talk to me about the uh, scientific perspective on how energy works. Ener energy is always moving. It's, it's never static. It's always moving in some direction or another direction. Energy 
has intelligence. People really generally don't understand that, that everything in the universe is made up of energy. And because energy has intelligence, it knows where to go, what to do, how to behave, and in which direction is the best possible avenue of expansion and understanding. So if everything is made of energy and it's moving, nothing is actually solid as we're taught by our wonderful human science at this time. And I'm making fun of our modern human science. Um, our Pleiadian friends laugh very heartfully at what they say, what we think is our cutting edge science. They say that science on planet Earth developed by humans is very archaic and very, very limited. The science that is part of the entire universe is much more expansive. It includes everything, and it isn't based on what science calls facts. Facts are things that science says never change. If there's a fact developed by science or the intellect, it must be true forever. And we understand through our Pleiadian connection that facts change all the time. They are never the same. They change every day. One of the problems with science as we know it on our planet is that our science, with the exception of quantum physics, most of our science is very linear. Quantum physics is the only science we have that is nonlinear, that works with the concept of things moving in inexplicable ways, which means our science has taken a leap in understanding the true reality, but still has too many questions to be able to understand it deeply. So that's why Einstein was trying to prove this when he worked on his unified field theory. He was trying to talk about how energy manifests into form through thought waves and that thoughts do not move in a linear fashion. They spiral, which is, again, in alignment with why we say our conscious evolution spirals, because thoughts move in spirals also. Einstein also developed the idea that imagination is much more important than the intellect he, he said that almost all of his discoveries came when he was imagining, either, either through daydreaming or dreaming at night. The answers to his very, very deep questions came to him through his imagination, not through scientific testing or scientific replication of, of this process has to be the same as the process before or it's not the truth. So I think Einstein was a great help in ways that many people don't understand, that he understood that imagination really drives our nonlinear understanding of the universe. One of the things that quantum physics is trying to do, and which the Pleiadians have already done and are sharing with us, is stepping into the understanding that events can happen simultaneously. There can be simultaneous invention. There can be synchronous experiences of things happening at the same time. Regular traditional science says that's absolutely impossible. The only thing that can be explained is that there's a past, a present, and a future. Quantum physics says, no, that's not the way it really works. 
things can happen in a way that they are connected by simultaneous invention. And that's a developmental step for our science on this planet into understanding the larger truth. Speaking of the largest truth, another component of the human being or the energies we call intuition. Is that imagination the same or connected to intuition? I think there's a connection. I wouldn't say they're the same because the imagination can run wild with things that the heart wants or things that you would like to create, whereas the intuition is more realistic. The intuition says this is what is or this is what's coming. It doesn't tell you, oh, you'd like to have this, so maybe that's what you'll get. So I think there's a little bit of a distinction between intuition and imagination, but they are connected because the more imaginative you are, the higher your intuition develops. Well, this this also brings up the subject or the topic of the wisdom of the heart. Intuition is a message from the heart, not from the mind or the brain. So we get little pieces of, of information. P and I call them nudges. Um, we get nudged through our intuitive connection to the heart because the heart is really the center of the wisdom of each of us human beings, not the mind. And so if we allow our intuition to speak to us, if we quiet ourselves sufficiently to listen to the heart, we are guided by absolute truth and absolute wisdom from the heart instead of listening to the mind trying to control and tell us over and over again you must do this to stay safe you must do this to be intellectual you must do this and this and this the heart has has a much greater understanding of everything we need to know so if we can as a species begin to understand that if we listen to our hearts and are guided by our hearts rather than our minds only, we will have a vastly different experience in everything in our lives. Yeah, you do speak in your book about the heart functions as the leader in all systems processes within the body. Yeah, and I have a question for you about this idea we have that the intuition, it's connected to the heart, the physical heart. Some people think that way, and some people believe the brain is connected to the mind. Is there any truth in that, in those uh, ideas? I think the physical heart is connected to the energetic heart. And I think it is the energetic heart that gives you the intuition. But the, the energetic heart is aligned with the physical heart. The brain is a functioning organ that gives us autonomic response throughout all of our sensory apparatus and all of our um, parasympathetic apparatus. So the brain is an organ, whereas the heart is an organ also, but connected to an etheric heart, an energy heart. I think the intuition definitely comes from the heart, and I think the, the more the physical and the etheric are blended together, and the person recognizes that there's energy here, this is not just a thing beating in my chest, but they recognize and acknowledge the feeling state, the more they are likely to have their intuition rise up. I don't think the thoughts that come from the mind alone, without the heart being connected, are going to give you intuition. I don't know if that makes sense, Valeria. What do you think, Roland? 
this we're talking about localizing. So that's another question I asked somebody. I think a heart surgeon, he's wrote a book about consciousness. And I asked him about, is consciousness localized? And he said, no, consciousness is everywhere. Oh, we totally, we totally, absolutely agree with that. There's been a, there's been a, a huge split in the, the scientific and spiritual schools of thought about where does consciousness live? Where does it, where is its seat? Where does it exist? And quantum science has been trying to make a huge leap in understanding that consciousness does not live in the mind inside the brain, but that it is actually everywhere. It's inside us. It's outside of us. Consciousness is part of energy. And if energy is everywhere, then that would connect the idea that consciousness is everywhere because consciousness and energy are completely interwoven. So the mind is a is a static pia called it an organ i would call the I mind call the brain an organ not the mind well yes but they're connected i i would say that that the that the mind is absolutely not simply contained within the brain it is connected to all thoughts everyone's thoughts we grow up thinking that our thoughts are private that that we own our own thoughts and what we and i are beginning to understand over the years of working with our Pleiadian friends, is that our thoughts belong to everyone. They, they are a, a family of understanding between all of us. We don't really have any private thoughts. We think we do, but that's not really how it's organized. So I would, I would definitely say that the mind is everywhere as consciousness is inside and outside of our physical bodies and brains. But I still say that the heart is the center of the wisdom, that the heart is the driver. The heart is the, is the seat of all of, all of the wisdom and all of the intelligence. So using the brain, the mind and the heart together is a much more holistic way of organizing our lives. We are almost at the end, but I do want to ask you one more question about the earth energies. You have 20 of them. I love the, the names. And then the last one is enlightenment. A lot of people, they have different ideas of what enlightenment is. So the question is, what is enlightenment to you? Well, enlightenment is an awakened state of consciousness. But the 20th earth energy enlightening is about becoming that state of consciousness. It does not mean in the earth energy system that the 20th one is the most elevated or the one to aspire towards. Each of the earth energies, all 20 of them, have a high vibration and a low vibration, and people can choose to act from the higher or the lower place. So there's a little distinction between saying enlightening energy in this system versus enlightenment per se. I would say that enlightenment is conscious awareness of living by those principles that Cullen mentioned earlier, invocation, ahimsa, and what I said at the beginning about kindness. Enlightenment is being able to live every moment through kindness, 
in Ahimsa of doing no harm to anything or anyone and treating everything and everyone through the spirit of Enlakesh. I am another yourself without judgment, without blame. That's enlightenment. There's no expectation. There is just profound acceptance and unconditional love all the way around. That's what I'd say enlightenment is. Beautifully said. Do you want to add something? Well, it, it seems to me that, that we always have choices. Um, I like to go back to the idea of choices because, as Pia said, each energy, um, the earth energies, have a high and a low aspect. Negatively using an energy, we do harm to ourselves and others. But positively using energy of, of those 20 energies, we, we bring a completely different energy to everything. We bring cheerfulness, we bring love, we bring trust, we bring happiness, we bring bliss. If we use the higher road of choosing that highest energy. So I think enlightenment has to do with always using our choice. We're told by our Pleiadian friends that planet Earth is a very, very different environment than most other planets with other societies, that we here on this planet have human choice. Many societies and many other planetary groups do not have personal choice. They simply live together, possibly in a harmonious way, but not necessarily in an enlightened way. We can choose how we use each energy, positively or negatively. And I think the road to enlightenment is always using the highest energy towards creating unity consciousness that's the best choice for everyone all the time. I do have another note here about types of consciousness that you speak in a book. I thought it was very interesting the individual consciousness, community consciousness, global consciousness, and universal consciousness. So they're different kinds, and I had an idea, but not the way you speak of. Would you like to add anything or make a comment about these types of consciousness? Sure. Just in the same way that the 20 Earth energies, one is not better than the other. Each one has a high aspect and a low aspect. In the same way, Each of these energies also comes from a particular point of focus of awareness. The individualized consciousness can be, in the high aspect, can be very creative, bringing amazing ideas that somebody else didn't think about. In the lower end, the individualized consciousness can be very selfish in refusing to listen to what other people have to say. So there's a high and a low to the individual consciousness. The community consciousness, the high end, is being concerned about the community, acting in the spirit of in Lakesh, I'm another yourself, what's best for the community? And the side of The lower side of community consciousness is being able to compare or saying my community is better than yours and reverting to tribalism rather than being expansive with that consciousness. The global consciousness is somewhat somewhat the same thing. At the higher level, people in the global consciousness or days that carry global consciousness have a greater awareness of the whole planet. What's going on? What am am I doing that's impacting everything else on the planet? Mm 
And the lower aspect of the global is, again, a higher version of that tribalism. My side of the planet is more important than your side, a bit of divisive activity going on. The universal consciousness is the consciousness that is more attuned to everything in the cosmos, more receptive to ideas coming from sparked intuition from other sources, more connected to other beings that want to communicate. That's the higher end of the universal consciousness. The lower end of universal consciousness is thinking that I've got the best ideas in the universe and nobody else's ideas can be as good as mine. So there's a high and a low end of each of these types of consciousness, just like there's a high and a low end of each of these earth energies. And our job, each and every one of us, is to choose the high end of every energy that's presenting itself to us to play with. They're here to teach us and help us grow. And if we make choices for the higher vibration, then we do expand our conscious awareness. Thank you so much again for your beauty. It's a word that I use to nature. (laughs) It's the only thing I really say that's beautiful. And your energy is really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Valeria. That's kind of you. Where can we find more information about you, your products, your books and services, your sessions? Pia, I don't know if you're calling, do you also offer sessions? Or individuals around the world? No, not at this time. We're we're concentrating mostly on the astrological work that that Pia is more involved with than I am. But the sessions that are most interesting and popular that we offer are actual sessions with our Pleiadian friends, Larkma. That we do together. We do those together. So we offer a number of services. That, that can be seen and located on both of our um, websites. For the sessions that we do together with the Pleiadians, you can look and for information on our books, the calendar, anything to do with the Pleiadian wisdom that we bring to the world. You can find that at www.larkma.com, and that's spelled L-A-A-R-K. M-A-A.com. And for information on how to get a personalized astrological chart in the system, you can find that under PiaOrlean.com. And that's P-I-A-O-R-L-E-A-N-E.com. And you'll find all the service we offer on those two websites. Thank you so much again. And uh, we'll talk soon, for sure. <laughs> It's Thank been you. delightful as usual. We always use very much. We enjoy being with you in your energy, and we enjoy the questions that you ask of us. They're deep and profound, and it's a wonderful communication that we've developed together. So thank you for continuing to invite us back. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Pia Orlean and Cullen Smith and their work, please visit larkma.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>